Welcome to Torah Conversations, a show where we discuss the weekly Torah portion read in synagogues all over the world from a messianic and Christian perspective for all believers, Jew and Gentile, to connect with God's heart for Israel. This week, we're going to be discussing the portion of Vayira from Genesis 18 to 22. So if you have a Bible, we want to invite you to open it up and read it with us. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch your heart and change your life. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Torah Conversations, where we discuss the weekly Torah portion read in synagogues all over the world from a messianic and Christian perspective for all believers, Jew and Gentile, to connect with God's heart for Israel. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major platforms. Visit our ministry website, tillzionsings.com, and join us on Instagram and YouTube at tillzionsings. And as I've talked about in the last few episodes, we're going to be launching a new discussion group where you can join the weekly discussion on the Torah portion. What better way is there to connect with God's heart for Israel other than following the same Torah portions that Jewish people read? It's going to be really exciting. Well, my guest this week is a really good friend of mine. And as you guys know, we're getting into the part of the story where we talk about, read about really, uh, the story of Abraham and their faith journey. And my guest, along with his wife, who is not here this week, they, they have a really interesting story. They they are, well, I'll just let them introduce themselves. Well, I'll let him <laughs> introduce himself. Well, Matt Hogan, welcome to the show. Come on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's absolutely. Always- Always good to get to reconnect and hang out and read the word. So, yeah, I, I've been be really here. excited about this episode because I feel I'm thinking about having you on for a, a long time, <laughs> but it's a, it's, yeah, it's we, only been really that I've, you know, we talked about this, and you know, I to be honest, I didn't expect you to be able to make it because I know you're busy. Both of you are quite busy, but you guys said yes. I was like, yeah, come on. So good. Really excited. I mean, we've discussed the Bible. So our listeners Mm -hmm. don't know that we spent so many hours just discussing, you know, things related to Israel, really, when you were in Scotland a year ago, and now you're in Israel. So it's really, it's really good. But first of all, just tell us who are you and what are you doing in Israel? (laughs) Man, well, that is a big question, but a good question. Yeah, basically, my wife and I are from Texas originally, and yeah, just grew up following the Lord. But over the past, I would say like four years, really, have had this this journey as we've as we've been diving deeper and deeper into the Word, or just seeing like the big story of of where this all started and where this is all going, and God's heart for Israel and for the Jewish people and been thankful to just get to realize that this started long before I was born. Um, oh, wow. And, and there's just a, a big story at hand. And so I'm just thankful. And now I'm actually studying medicine in Israel. I mean, my wife's here with me. And it's been really cool just as we've grown in our heart for Israel and for the Jewish people. And just, just a genuine love for them. And just a beautiful people. That now we get to, you kind of alluded to the Abraham thing, but that we've we took this step of faith and hopped on a plane and moved here for... All right, okay, let's go back a bit. 
So you talked about how how the Lord, well, getting deep in the Word, and then how seeing Israel as part of really the centerpiece of the entire story. Really, such a big part of the whole story. And and I, you know, that's actually my favorite way of discovering why Israel is important. Because a lot of people discover they come to Israel. I mean, really for political reasons. Which is actually not、mm. the primary reason that the Lord has why Christians should care about Israel. You know, it's not political advocacy. But so you read,、yeah. you read the word, and you saw how Israel is is really important. How did you end up in Israel? Like, just give us a little bit,、yeah. just briefly, a little bit of that journey. And please、totally. mention how how you came to Scotland and how that sort of somehow、yeah. played a part. Yeah. Okay. So backing up a little bit. I mentioned just that a lot of our heart for Israel was stirred through the word, but it was cool. I think I really went on this journey where, like, where for the first time I started reading, like, starting in Genesis through the whole Tanakh, through the Old Testament, and, and yeah, like, I think it's cool that we're getting to just like we're doing this Torah portion because I think the Torah really started to come alive to me and. Just to see the significance of the family of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, like you said, that it's just it's just crazy how God's orchestrated all of this, but it like really、mm-hmm. pivots around that family, and we just got really excited and envisioned to be praying more, and even the heart to visit Israel one day really got stirred. And we had the privilege of getting to live in Scotland for six months because. My wife's family lives in North England, and we have the UK connection. Yeah, felt like God invited us there, so we we went, and and that's where we we met you, Frank, which is awesome. And yeah, and it was also right around the time where I had just applied to medical school. So that's always that's been a big part of my journey, and and what's next for me is just training in medicine. And we found out that there was this awesome program in Israel that I could apply to as American medical program in the、mm-hmm. desert of Israel in the Negev.、Mm-hmm. So I had just applied to that, and then we met you, and we just got to <laughs> chat and increase and grow in our understanding and,、mm. and heart for Israel, and knowing that okay, now we're actually going to be moving there, living there, and it's been amazing. So、yeah. I've been here for like four months now. Wow, it's a、uh, so good. It's so just what, a beautiful place. What is it like in Israel? You know, you've had a heart for Israel and and the Jewish people. You see how they're important, but being in the land is different, right? It touches、oh, your heart、really、in such a way that you you can you cannot describe. Just、mm-hmm. talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny. I think there's the like I was trying to describe where God really started stirring. In my heart, like a love for Israel, and even just for the land and the significance of of Israel to the whole story, it was like, okay, I want to visit this, but it's it exists as this idea in my head and these pictures I've seen online, and then yeah, when you put feet on the ground and and you're just surrounded by the people and the the、mm. culture and the history and the places where all the heroes of our faith have walked and we're. Where then so much of the stories of the Bible have taken place, it's like this explosion. It just all comes to life, and and just like the significance of it, I think, really hit home.、Mm. Where it's like the words start to leap off the page as you can picture things,、wow. and yeah, and you see that God is. I think the the thing that really struck me is like the faithfulness of God became more clear than ever that He's not done yet, 
and yeah and praying at the western wall that is that is something i believe every christian needs to experience at least once in their life yeah i mean yeah the first time i went and just put my hand on the wall and started praying and then like the tears just come to your eyes it's like just overcome with the i mean just thousands of years of what god has been doing on that mountain and Wow. The knowing that the like the manifest presence was there, and uh, and there's just some there's something to it. Is and then you get to look around and like you're just in Jerusalem, surrounded by all these beautiful Jewish people. And, and after um, two thousand years, they're still longing for that place of His presence. And mm-hmm. you know, I think in the church, I mean, I I talk to people about this. It's like we tend to have the stereotype of. You know, Jews being this hardened religious folks mm. that you know, you know what I'm saying. But like, the, yeah, there is just, a longing. There is yeah. a genuine longing that's deeper than anyone can ever understand. Yeah, even when you're, I feel like when you're here in person, and you really can see that there's there's heart to it. Like you said, there's longing, and it's mm. not just religion, and it's not just like these external things. But it's there really is like a, a deep longing and desire. Mm for that restoration and it's like yeah. oh it just it just makes me so yeah just stirred and excited so mm, yeah well matt and emma are you know if you're listening to it matt and emma are really special to me as well because they're they're i think they're the first two people that i took to synagogue with me when uh, yeah. when they're in aberdeen i don't i don't think i've ever taken anyone else to synagogue before i've never i don't i, I don't recommend everyone to go to be honest <laughs> But yeah, and then you guys went for the first time. That was that was an experience, wasn't it? Yeah. It how, was, how did it you was, say? Yeah, I, I was just saying it was really cool because like by the time we met you and you invited us, we knew we were about to move here, and, but we didn't have much of a cultural grid for like, mm. okay, what is like the the Jewish people modern day? Like, what's the culture? What's the what's the heartbeat of the mm. whole thing? Like, what even? How does a synagogue function and work? And like, yeah even learning about the Torah portions for the first time through you. And so getting to go and experience it and do a reading in that, in that community in Scotland. It was, it was, it's not a traditional synagogue. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very unique one, but yeah, but uh, I mean the, the way it works, the service and order, order of service and all that, it's pretty much the same. So yeah, just, I mean, I don't think we ever talked about this, but like just, Tell us just briefly, how did you, what hit you in that experience? Yeah, I think it was like, it was almost kind of the first taste of what I experienced when we actually got here and mm. like praying at the Western Wall. Really, It's almost like for, mo- for a lot of my life, like it was this, this narrow scope of history. Mm. And then when you like, when you really start to catch like God's heart for Israel and for the Jewish people, and then you hop in like to this service where they've, been reading the Torah for thousands of years and, and it's like the scale just expands and you see like, wow, this has been preserved and there's this mm. heritage here. And it was even just cool, really like getting to just chat with people and like hear where they're, hear their stories and where they're from and what, like what the portions mean to them. And um, yeah, yeah, it was really special. I'm so glad yeah. we got to and the prayer books go a couple as well. times. Yeah. Prayers are beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into the portion then, because we can talk hours about God's heart for <laughs> Israel. I think 
I think we yeah. got the point now. God loves Israel. <laughs> yes, he does. And the story of Israel begins really right here with Abraham. And in the last portion, we discussed how the Lord made a promise to Abraham of a land, a righteous people, and the nations being blessed through them. It's a threefold promise. It's really one promise threefold. It's They're going to be fulfilled one day by the Messiah. And there's a promise of an entire generation of Jewish people that are going to be totally righteous through faith because Abraham believed and was made righteous, which means an entire generation. Talk, Think about this. Think about, I mean, just the scope of all this, an entire nation, an entire generation of this ethnic group fully grafted into faith. I mean, this is something that most Christians omit, Really, that's such. A, it's it's not anything that we've ever seen. It's bigger than anything that we've ever believed for in the West, right? And then yeah. Paul said, you know, it's when even, that happens, it's gonna be life from the dead. Yes, I don't know. It's even like, it's even just hard to like wrap your head around. Like, what would that look like? Mm. But to know that that's that's a promise. And, yeah, and to see the first fruits of it here in this passage, it's like, I don't know, it just gets me excited. <laughs> yeah, incredible, incredible. So, I mean, in the last portion, we actually discussed quite a lot. There's so much in there. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I would strongly, strongly encourage you to, I'm not saying pausing this video, but <laughs> just go back and, and listen to that one because it's gonna, because this portion is a continuation of the last portion where, which ended with Ishmael being born and then the Lord promised Hagar and Abraham, this great nation coming out of Ishmael. But he said, the covenant is not going to be the covenant of this righteous people in the land established by the Messiah is not going to be through Ishmael, but it's going to be through Isaac. The Lord commanded Abraham to circumcise all of his children as a sign of this covenant. And we can talk a lot about that, but that's where the last portion ended. But this portion is, it's great because it's about the promise, the real promise of Isaac being born, right? So it's from, it's called Vayera, which means, and he appeared, the Lord appeared to Abraham by the, the oaks of Mamre. It's from Genesis in to the end of chapter 22. Lots, lots of themes, lots of stuff in here about well, the promise of Isaac, but also talks about Sodom and Gomorrah, and also even the the binding of Isaac, because after Isaac was born, the Lord asked them to lay him down. So what are your general thoughts on this portion as a whole? Uh, mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy how much ground you cover just in these, like, what is it, five chapters? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's y- years of the life, and there's just all these significant stories that it's hard to even pull it into one space, but I think like you were talking about from the last portion where you see like God comes, like the Lord comes and appears to Abraham and like initiates this promise of a son mm-hmm. that then it gets fulfilled. So like, and then you, you climax with the surrender and the provision of the ram at the end that there's just, there's just this whole thread of like when the Lord makes this promise to fulfill these things, he's already this like, threefold promise that he's already made he's like initiating the steps that are gonna lead to the fullness of that and the lineage that's gonna bring blessing 
to all nations. So I just think it's just such a clear picture of God's faithfulness over these years and when things seem impossible that he's faithful to do what he said he's going to do. And then I think there's also this really interesting interplay in a lot of these stories where Abraham and his family is interacting with another people group. And mm. and whether that's kind of a little messy because he's he's selling some half truths or whether it's this like beautiful full of faith moment that God still like brings blessing through them to Lot, through them to Avimelech and just to all the people around them. It's like I think it's a cool, clear picture of what God's already initiated that okay, like now we're gonna see these little stories play out of mm-hmm. how this blessing is gonna come and, and just like tastes of the of the fullness of what like yeah. what will be in these stories. Yeah. And so Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, awesome. I love this. I love this one word that you used, even just in describing your experience in Israel. That is faithfulness, because that is it's his faithfulness that manifests in this nation called Israel. It it starts really right here, right? It just yeah. shows the Lord's faithfulness. So let's let's get into it section by section. Then go into a little bit <laughs> bit of detail. So let's chapter eighteen, verse one through fifteen, where the Lord appeared to by the oaks of Mamre. That's where he first encountered Abraham and gave him that promise where he made an altar to the Lord. And now that I think of it, it's probably where he was hanging out with God by the altar, just praying. And then the Lord mm-hmm. showed him. And then and then he saw three men standing, and they turned out to be three angels. Or, as we'll find out, one of them is actually God himself. We'll talk about that. But yeah, and they promised Abraham that this, again, Sarah, his wife, will have a son and that they both fell into unbelief. So what what are your thoughts on this? Oh, man. I really love like the simplicity of how it starts off. Okay, then the Lord appeared again to Abraham. Mm. And uh, and you you see that that heart of, okay, like God has chosen this this man of faith, this family. And even see like there's there's this relational aspect of like he he appears to him in in a tangible way and and they even sit down and he like hosts these these three men quote unquote yeah. you know and makes them food and washes their feet and the host like the hospitality that Abraham shows like mm. to I don't know we don't get much insight into what he's thinking when he sees them right like whether he how much he recognizes that this is the Lord or if these are it's like strangers but. But seeing the hospitality that he has to welcome them in and to to bless them and the yeah. fruit of what that produces relationally with the Lord is is just so beautiful. Mm. You know, I I find this really interesting because I believe it's the Midrash actually believes that this story actually happened at the time of the year which would later become Passover. Because it, it talks about how they baked uh, three measures of fine flour in verse 6. And he, Abraham, mm. he says, hurried into the tent to Sarah and says, quickly prepare three measures of fine flour needed and make bread cakes. So in the Passover Seder, you would have three pieces of matzah, right? Mm. So three mm. measures. But it says, bake it quickly, which indicates that it's 11. Wow. That's yeah. Never and then, that, you know, and, and then later on, just we're going slightly ahead, but like in chapter 19, where when two of these angels went to Sodom to meet Lot, mm-hmm. Lot prepared, it actually explicitly said unleavened cakes. He prepared, yeah. Lot prepared unleavened cakes for for, for the, the two angels. Wow. 
I love that there's a sense of like that hurry, like let's, I don't like he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to wait. He wants like there to be food so they can commune right away, which is so cool. Right. Right. And I do find it interesting that in the same meal, that meat and dairy are a part of the same meal. Yeah. I, know, I noticed <laughs> that too. <I> was <laughs> is that kosher? Is that not? I think, I think the rabbis just say, well, it's if it's the meat was served the first before milk no milk was served first before meat or maybe they they waited a few hours whatever but you know we don't know but i i think i think anyway let's not get into that yeah (laughs) yeah i mean rabbinic laws versus biblical laws let's just leave it at that but the the whole point was that the time of passover if it is that Mm -hmm. the lord comes they have a meal and promise the son isaac who later would become a picture of the father laying down his son. Yes. Pretty, yeah. pretty incredible. But neither of them believed. Mm-hmm. And just to think about, I, I think about how, you know, it says Abraham believed and was accounted righteous. But here, they clearly here didn't now. believe. Yeah. <laughs> but still, that didn't diminish the fact that God called them righteous because God called them faithful. So through the lens of God, they still believed, even though here it, it appears that they didn't believe. Yeah, I know. It's, that's, it's really interesting because it's like, you see, you know, there's the, there's the whole Sarah laughing because she just is like, this is impossible. How I'm, I'm too old. How could this be? But when God promises something, he was going to fulfill it. Yeah. And again, yeah. his faithfulness. And then two of the men got up. Well, actually, the three men got up. They, they revealed, well, verse 16 onwards, God and the two angels revealed to Abraham about what's going to happen in Sodom because the sin of Sodom has, it says, their sin is exceedingly grave in verse 20. And how he said he's going to destroy them. And I think it's, I mean, clearly it was because Lot was living in Sodom. And then Abraham started pleading with, with uh, with the Lord. Really, if there's fifty righteous, would you would you destroy them? And then goes down to forty five, goes down to thirty, and then goes down to twenty, and then ten. All the way to ten. Yeah. yeah, this process of dialoguing with God, pleading with God. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting. Like rereading it today, I was just noticing like how long of a portion of text it is where. Abraham's just going back and forth with the Lord, lowering the number and lowering the number. And to see his his faith and his determination to to know that he can keep asking and then the Lord's patience to to allow him to keep asking and to to kind of almost negotiate with Abraham. Like what like you like you see happen later on with Moses as he as he negotiates and pleads for Israel. And uh, yeah, I just think it's a really, it's a beautiful picture of intercession as he's like, if there's any, if there's any righteousness here, mm. like, would you spare them? Yeah. I don't know. What, did, what, were, you, what were some of your thoughts on that? I, I, th- I think it's, there's, it's a picture of friendship with God because eating a meal with God, that is a very intimate thing in that culture. Yeah. And especially when it was freshly prepared and, and it's, it's that picture of that communion. And then from that place of intimacy, moving God's heart that way yeah and there's just off the back end of that it even made me wonder if having that meal like something if something shifted in abraham where like he understood the relational part of god more where he then he was able to 
and willing to like press in and have this long dialogue. Yeah. Whereas I don't, at least as far as I remember, you don't see that long of a back and forth, like before that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And a side note, and it shouldn't be a side note, but just in case people are wondering why, why we believe one of these men are, is the Lord himself. Well, first of all, because, you know, it says <laughs> the, the Lord, L-O-R-D, but, but who is this person? Who was the God that had lunch with Abraham, which happens to be a book titled by a messianic Bible teacher called Asher really? Intrater. Highly recommend everyone to get it. It talks about the, the pre-incarnate Christ mm. in the Tanakh, but it's really Yeshua. It's really the second person of the Godhead, the Trinity, because God himself in his fullness, nobody could see him and live. But here, Abraham, Abraham clearly saw Jesus. him yeah. and had had a meal with him. So, which meant that he, he revealed himself in human form mm-hmm. and had a meal, had physical right. food. So in, in bodily form. So he, he reveals himself in human form so that people could relate to God, to, so that Abraham could get to know his character. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's already that sense of that the Lord would be willing to humble and like limit himself, as it were, for the sake of that relationship and like yeah. that place of the garden with his people. Yeah. Yeah. So that complexity of his unity is already revealed here. He is one God, but he dwells in heaven and he fills the entire universe with his presence by his spirit mm-hmm. and at the same time simultaneously reveals himself in human form to his to people so that we can get to know him. So it's even in this passage alone, this chapter alone, we see we see the picture, we really see Jesus. We see God becoming human we see god promising abraham a son isaac which would become a picture of the suffering messiah later and then we see the time of passover right. <laughs> yeah so and then, and then the and then the uh, like interconnected nature of those three things all just right in this chapter yeah it's just it's my book yeah really yeah. yeah so later on in chapter 19 actually it says now the yeah. two angels came to sodom in the evening so what happened was in uh, verse 20 in chapter 18 this is the lord says the oh sorry 22 the men turned away from there and went towards sodom while abraham was still standing before the lord actually if you read the talmud they made a little if they made a little note saying the original Mm -hmm. text says but the lord stood before abraham so they Mm -hmm. the, the scribes were saying thinking this must be a mistake because how can the Lord stand before Abraham? So they kind of right. changed it. They changed it back to Abraham standing before the Lord, but really it was the Lord standing before Abraham. So three three men, right? Two men went to Sodom, but the Lord stood before Abraham. So the two angels left for Sodom, but the one who is the Lord remained and mm-hmm. acted with Abram. Abraham, he pleaded with him. So it's these same two angels that had the meal with Abraham and then went to Sodom. And they went and they told Lot that the Lord is about to, we're about to destroy Sodom. And here we see, I mean, we mentioned before that Lot also baked 11 cakes for these Uh, two angels. Yeah, it's interesting saying like that it is the same two 
angels that are described. Mm. And then, and then you almost have like a brief parallel where Lot says, Hey, come in here, like stop here, just as similar to how Abraham did. And he welcomes the men before things mm. get a little more interesting. Um, yeah. But you see that, yeah, there's that element of like hospitality there. And yeah, hosting, hosting these beings, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. Mm. So the angel reveals to, to Lot that he's about to destroy the city because of the sin. And there's a lot in here. What are your thoughts on this? Just the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Like, as I was thinking about it, I think it's, it's a really interesting picture of, like, God's judgment and his, but his righteous, his righteous judgment. Like, mm. he's, he's right in judging Sodom and Gomorrah. But mm. there's, I think it's also really clear that even, even though they are, like, needing judgment, and it's right for God to judge them. He's still so patient as we like just read that he goes through this, this whole dialogue with Abraham. And then clearly there weren't even 10 righteous in the city because he mm-hmm. ends up still destroying it. And yeah. And it's, 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 it's a, it's a bit of a, a heavy thing, but it's also a good thing because without his judgment, there's, there's not really yeah. true freedom. Yeah. And also it's, it seems to me that Lot was saved because of the intercession Abraham made with God, mm. which made, yeah. which moved angels to work on his behalf. I think it's, yeah. it's uh, what happens yeah. when we pray for our loved ones. We have no idea how God is moving angels and demons and moving, shifting things out of the way so that they can be, uh, they can be saved. But what I find really, really just uh, sobering is that, you know, Lot was, Lot's family were the only ones that are righteous, but they were still infected by it because when the men, uh, other men, the men of the city knocked on the doors and tried to uh, sleep with the, 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 the angels, what they perceived to be uh, humans, Lot was mm-hmm. willing to hand over his daughters to these men. Yeah. I mean, just being, yeah. even being in that environment, he was, he was defiled. Yeah, there's like almost a sense of the culture around him was so strong that, that yeah, he was willing to like make these compromises mm. to avoid like just the the repercussions of what would happen if he didn't, you know, like the way the city would have revolted and, and maybe even killed him. But the there's that element of persecution there. He's like, yeah. and sadly he says, you know, here have my daughters before the angels step in. Um, yeah. But I do think it's there's a really cool element here of how you were talking about where like the family does get saved because of Abraham's intercession and even just it's another picture of like Lot and his family is going to turn into these whole other nations, but because right. of their relationship to Abraham right. and Abraham's faith in the Lord, they're they're saved and the angels blind the men that are trying to get the daughters and. Yeah, like you said, things are moving on this cosmic level mm. to bring like the salvation of mm. these people, and uh, it's not a small yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, and but but the, the the warning that the angel gave to Lot was very sobering. It says, you know, "Take your wife and your two daughters with you, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city." And then later on, it says, "Escape for your life. Do not even look behind you." And do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. And then Lot's wife turned back. Just simply by looking back, she turned into a pillar of salt. That's yeah. just how 
how serious it is. It's like you know, being infected by the culture. I think this is a prophetic message to a generation. You know, in a way, says the Lord says, "Come out of there, come out of there," because God's judgment is coming, and His His salvation is also coming. But we need to get out of that place. We need to not even look back. It's like don't even admire that culture. Yeah, he's like, and it's it's as they're it's as he's bringing them out and saving them and bringing them to this new place. It's like you can't be double-minded. You can't look forward and like walk in that salvation of where God's bringing them and look back at yeah. where and where you came from. Mm. I mean, it's it's convicting, yeah. you know. <laughs> exactly, very much. And then they they leave, and then Lot's daughters <laughs> ended up oh. raping raping him, which is. <laughs> Yeah. And then they became Moabites. What are your thoughts on this? (laughs) Any thoughts on it? (laughs) Oh, I mean, I have a a lot of thoughts on this, but I I don't even, I mean, it's just, it's one of those crazy stories, but I think it's really interesting that it's included like in, in the scriptures, you know, something that seems just so kind of crazy. And like, why, why are those details in there? In the context of how Abraham's intercession has like saved them, then you see these whole nations and people groups form, yeah, yeah, that then are still like in God's ultimate plan to to graft in and to bring. So it's like yeah. I don't know. I think we that's know. my biggest takeaway is you get we, the element of like how all these people were birthed out of. Yeah, this and we know Ruth. Ruth, I think, was the grand yeah, grandmother was of King David. Was the grandmother of King David? Was the mother King David? Yeah, um, maybe a few generations, but yeah. yeah, was a Moabite, and then through the lineage of David came the Messiah. So think about it. I actually made this point in the synagogue once. I said the the Messiah coming from the line of David actually has the blood of the Moabites mm. that existed as a result of incest. Right. It's just mind boggling. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You think about how, like, throughout the Torah, throughout the the Bible, the Lord commanded Israel to have nothing to do with the Moabites. But the Messiah himself, speaking, talking about how he's going to bring peace to the world, he really, he really embodies that where where two people groups aren't allowed to intermingle at all. He Mm. in himself physically carried both people groups. Yeah, yeah. It's like he breaks. Like you, you already see that in the Messiah, like the 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 walls are going to get broken down because of mm. that, like common faith in the Lord and and his his Messiah, which is yeah, it's really yeah. it really is amazing. And then, well, the next chapter, chapter twenty, is a very interesting chapter. It's like something that happened before happens again. <laughs> Abraham tells Sarah to tell the half-truth. In the last portion, he, he, he asked his wife to tell the half-truth, say, say you're my sister to the Pharaoh of Egypt and, uh, and almost getting him in trouble. And then God had to save Pharaoh out of that. And this time with Avimelech, king of Gerar, happens again. Right. <laughs> Any thoughts on this? Oh, uh, I mean, I really, I just think it's really interesting how, like, how this, I don't know, like this whole chapter, it really gets messy really fast. Yeah, but you can see that, like some of the, like the seeds of what what caused this whole relational mess are is that half truth, and then it's like, okay, why did Abraham like only say that she was his sister and not and not that she was his wife, 
And I think it's pretty clear that is the fear of man that kept him from like speaking out the the fullness of like the situation. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to all this all this mess and and even in the middle of the mess, God is still so like faith to like give Avimelech these dreams and like and speak to this king and this whole nation. Mm. And, and through their mistake, through the half-truth, even in their weakness, the God of Israel revealed himself to Avimelech, my father is yeah. king, right? So, like so just through their presence there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because of their mistake, the Lord, uh, the God of Israel, ended up showing himself, revealing himself to Avimelech, a foreign king. I think that's pretty cool. It's like, yeah, I think it's super cool. Yeah, so I I think this is an encouragement to anyone really, you know, if you desire to follow God in faith and even in your weakness, even in all your mistakes, God, as long as you yield it to God, God can use that to bless unbelievers. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. It's like not to jump ahead too much, but then it's it's that thing that you think that you see at the end of Genesis when Joseph is reflecting. Right. It's like. You meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. Almost that like summary statement of what this whole book is like pointing towards. And I just think it's yeah. it's a beautiful picture of the the graciousness of the Lord to Abraham and to their family. Yeah, yeah. I was I think I shared this once to one of my friends, but like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm believing for for my family to be saved really and you know i've when my dad passed away a few years ago you know i was in a very broken place and so was my mum. and so even as a as a christian i wasn't being a really good testimony you know people talk about you got to be a good christian as a good as a testimony that you know god is real there's an element of truth in that but but if you really think about it if you really dig deep it's it's about performance it's about our own goodness revealing God. But actually, you know, over the years, I just realized even in my own brokenness, my own mother is beginning to see the work of God in my life. So I was like, God, you're so good. Because I thought I'd blown it. I made some really messed up decisions. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. But, but, you know, my mom began to see how the hand of God was moving. So my prayer over the years has become, you know, has shifted from, you know, God make me a good witness, which I still desire to to do, of course, but but right. it's shifted from that to God, just let let people around me see that if someone as messed up as I am can accomplish something with the help of mm-hmm. God, then God has to be real. Yeah. That's that's been my prayer. So I think this is what happened to Mm-hmm. And that's in his faith. It's not by his own goodness, but his faith, faithfully walking with God, st- taking that step of faith each time. And then God even then revealed himself to Avimelech. Yeah. Until the very next chapter, finally, the promise is born. At the happened. appointed time, so Sarah conceived, verse 2, Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time, the Moed of which God had spoken to him. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just so good. It's like when the Lord appears to him and he says, all right, I'll be back in a year and you're <laughs> going to have a son. And, yeah. then, and then he just, it's just so, so clearly fulfilled. 
And that and would have been the same time as as when the Lord appeared to them. And if that yep. had been Passover, Passover. then it, this would have been the same time. It's the Passover, is, as we later on find out in Leviticus, is one of the Moedim, the appointed times. So at the mm. appointed time, God, yeah, Isaac That's was good. born. It's pretty That's cool. So really cool. And I, I love, I mean, how you were just talking, like even in even in our brokenness and our like complexity, when it's it's that thing of like Isaac is born, and then you even see the sick redemption of Sarah's laughter, and like God counts them like as a man and a woman of faith that are gonna like acquire the promises of God. But now this laughter has turned to joy. Like he's he's made the bitter yeah. things sweet. Yeah, and I just think that's so cool. Yeah, and then, so he was born, he was Isaac, and uh, Sarah says, uh, really cool, verse 6, Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. The one who hears will laugh with me. And she says, who will have said that uh, said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. That's really, that's really cool. But what happened next is kind of sad, because as the child grew, Ishmael, began to despise Isaac. Mm-hmm. And as a result, him and Hagar had to be driven out. Yeah, it's interesting because it is, it is a, it's like a sad story to see how there, there becomes this like rivalry, I guess you could say. Mm. And, and, uh, and even see that the Lord says like, hey, Abraham, like, like I see what's happening and listen to your wife, like, like send them away. And, and yeah, it's like, it's sad, but then at the same time, as they go out into the desert, you see that like right away, God's providing for Hagar and Ishmael, Uh, even though they're not going to be the ones of the, like the lineage of the promise, you know, that he's working on a bigger scale than they can even see. And they represent two nations, really, the sons of Isaac and the sons of Ishmael, because the sons of Ishmael, they're believed to be the Arab nations, the Arab world. So the rivalry still continues till this day, Mm -hmm. right? And and, yeah, and so that mocking that that started right there. And then the Lord, I mean, it's clear that the Lord drove Ishmael out, not because he despised Ishmael, it's, it's really... Because Ishmael rejected Isaac, and there's something is there's that seed that's in Isaac that needs to be protected. So, for the sake of protecting the seed, Ishmael had to be driven out because Ishmael rejected Isaac. But what is interesting is that in the last days, right, the two nations, the Lord says He's going to use Gentiles to Jews. To jealousy, so you, you you have we have Ishmael, a brother who rejected Isaac, as a result was driven out. But now, centuries or thousand, millennia later, you have a nation who has rejected the greater Isaac, which is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. But God is now doing the reverse; He is revealing the greater Isaac to the Muslim nations, and then using them to bring the children of Isaac back to God. And yeah, I think like, that is just a beautiful story. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's interesting how it is kind of a, I don't know, maybe not like a reversal, but a kind of fl- it's like flipping this one on its head a little bit where, yeah. Um, yeah. And then you used to even see like, though they have rejected the greater Isaac, that God has not mm. rejected them, but he, he's kind of, he's provoking to jealousy. And, mm. and like in the same way that, 
Abraham and Lot are, and then and then in Ruth, like that wall is already starting to be broken down mm-hmm. into into one like people. You, you can kind of see that, like the fruits of that here with Isaac and Ishmael. Yeah, it's like there is this, there's this, there's separation that has to happen for a time, but mm-hmm. but now what God is working is, is and, and and it's it's really interesting that you know when when you know God God has never really forsaken. Hagar and and Ishmael, because yeah, it, the the name Ishmael Ishmael means God hears the God who hears. You know, you you talk about the Shema, hear O Israel, the Lord your God, the the Lord is one. We shall love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and all that. But it's that Shema Israel. So that is actually a very endearing term, you know. But that fatherlessness began right here, and then you look at the Muslim religion today. They don't have the concept of God as Father. It's that spirit of abandonment that that began right here. But every time we see how, how when a Muslim encounters Jesus, the greater Isaac reveals himself to the children of the one who rejected Isaac. Yeah, they encounter the Father. That's the very first thing they say. It's the most important thing is that I know I now know God as Father. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, just to know that sense of like what I what I think Isaac knows and Abraham know that they're chosen by mm. like by the Lord, and there's that that father like that kind of adoption thing of of hey I, I chose you and like we're making family that I mean praise God that they're starting to realize that as well. Yeah, and I I love this verse seventeen. God heard the lad crying, and because. Mm. I think was it was it Hagar that was pleading pleading with God I think and then but God heard the lad crying and the angel of God called Hagar from heaven and and, and then verse nineteen says God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water right and then they drank I wonder it's like it, I mean it seems to be like a, it's not a vision but natural well of water right but yeah. somehow she didn't see that mm-hmm. or or could it be that a well just he just caused a supernatural well just appear we don't know we don't know but that that well later on in the next part of the chapter we find out that it's it's in Beersheba where you are right now yeah that's where we're living which so it's pretty pretty wild to be like we get to read these stories in yeah and, uh, and even how harsh it is outside of the city where it's like if god hadn't opened her eyes to see the well like there is there is no water. It's it's a desert here. That's yeah. just his goodness. Yeah. Yeah, and then Abraham, Abimelech came to came to Abraham again, says please don't cause trouble to come <laughs> come to me again. And then well let's let's just read it a bit. And verse twenty three Now therefore swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring or with my posterity. But according to the kindness that I have shown to you, you shall show to me and to the land which you have sojourned. Abraham said, I swear it. But Abraham complained to Avimelech because of the well of water which the servants of Avimelech had seized. And Avimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor did I hear of it until today. Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Avimelech, and two of them made a covenant. This is the covenant covenant they made and the 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 items they used was seven ewe lambs of the flock and then uh, and uh, avimelech asked them what does that what does that mean he says 
You take these seven ewe lambs from my hand so that it may be a witness to me that I, I dug this well. Therefore, he called that place Be'er Sheva because there are two of them that took an oath. So it's it's kind of a wordplay because Sheva means seven in yeah. Hebrew, but it also means, well, Shava means right. oath. So in it's yeah. in the Bible, it's it's well tradition. It says that it's it's pronounced Be'er Shava, the, the the oath, the well of the oath. The, the well of but the oath. modern Hebrew yeah. is Be'er Sheva, seven. The the well a, yeah, that that wordplay going on between the two. Yeah. Um, do you almost like they're two are, sides of the same coin? Yeah. What do you think is the significance of this, really? Yeah, I think well, big picture. I think it's really cool that you see in in verse. 22 where Avimelech is saying God is obviously with you helping you in everything you do Mm. and it's uh, his recognition that God is at work in Abraham's life that causes him to seek out this like covenant and this this peace between his nation and Abraham's nation their families and so I think it's cool that there's there's this oath and then even the like with the number seven being in there it's like a it feels like a foreshadowing of like a completeness of like peace and that, and even what gets like prophesied right that all all nations coming like in recognition of the lord which i think is really cool and then i think also one thing that was just standing out to me while you were reading it is it's almost when he gives the seven the seven lambs it's almost like he's starting to fulfill the whole promise of the physical land right like he's hey your people took this well and now like i'm going to we're making this oath but i'm giving you these lambs to say like this is my well and then in that exact place he calls on the name of the lord the everlasting god and it says and abraham lived as a foreigner in the philistine country for a long time so he's like Mm. he's still living as a foreigner but now that land is like that well is clearly belonging to abraham so you already started to see God's faithfulness for so the land, bought, like the promise. Yeah, buying the this family estate really—that's how how they how they get get their land. Buying the estate, claiming this is going to be their own in in generations to come. Really. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So, and that I mean, it's a beautiful story up until this point. The Lord, we started out with the Lord making making this promise making a covenant with God, with Abraham, of this land, the righteous people, and then the nations. So, th- so threefold, really. It's a, there's, we've seen elements of that already. We've seen the land, aspects of the land being fulfilled, being manifested, being yeah, manifest here, and then righteous people, and then also the nations, Gentile nations around him, being, being blessed, really, encountering the God of Israel and, and with Ishmael, but also Isaac, the promise Isaac is, is born finally. But next, God is asking Abraham to lay him down in chapter 22. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it always it always kind of, I think it blows my mind every time I, I read this because like you were just mentioning, right? You start to see God makes these promises and you start to see them all, be, these, like the first fruits of them all becoming fulfilled. And then right as we start to really like see that start to blossom, he says, okay, now like the one, like your son Isaac, that will be the one through through whom you'll become like a a great nation and like through whom I will bring the Messiah and just all this blessing. It's like, okay, lay him down. 
like I'm come to Mariah and offer him as a sacrifice. And, and if I was in Abraham's shoes, I'm trying to think of like what I would be thinking, you know, clearly Abraham has faith in the Lord, but to wrestle with that of like, you just mm-hmm. provided Isaac miraculously for me. And now you're saying, like, mm-hmm. what does that mean? But I think it's really beautiful when you see these moments where it's like Abraham, they, they start to go and they go on this journey and Abraham says, okay, like, Hey, talks to one of his servants says, stay here. And we're going to, we're going to go on. We're going to continue on. And then we will come back sh- like shortly. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting. Cause you see like he, he could have worded that differently, but it's almost like Abraham has this expectancy that God's going to provide some sort of replacement where both he and his son will come back. Mm. Well, Book of Hebrews, interesting that, because I, I'm glad you pointed the, this out. It says, we will worship, we will come back, right? So yeah. he, he says, I will come back. He says, we will come back. So how's he, how does he know Isaac was going to come back with him? Right. Actually, the book of Hebrews says that, that Isaac, Abraham reasoned that God can raise Isaac from the dead. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's like, I know. I know my guy can do anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's like mm. by this point, so Abraham actually went through this journey of being trained by the Lord to to really trust him and to know his power, to know he, that he can do anything, right? I mean, it, it started out with a, with a small voice, with a vision, a dream, and from that point to, to uh, seeing him in the flesh, eating a meal with him, and then seeing him do the miraculous, destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, judging the wicked and bringing the righteous out. And uh, right, so and by this that, point, his faith grew. Uh, yeah. Wow. yeah and, that, and, I, think, I think that's actually a really good mm. point of reflection to see that like, God's taken him on this, this journey of faith from, I mean, from leaving like, the land of his ancestors. Mm. But then like, there's this gradual process of, like the father heart of God, where he's bit by bit, he he's bringing him through these experiences and showing him his faithfulness. Um, yeah, I mean this yeah. this this portion, you know, Akidati, uh, the binding of Isaac, says God tested Abraham. Right? I mean, this is something that's that's talked about so much because it's such. I think it's arguably one of the most significant things themes in the Bible that gets talked about. You know, people understand people ask what this means. Says God tested Abraham, so it's a test. But says take your son your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Now, we know that this is a picture of the father laying his his son down because it's to do with, with God causing a righteous people, living in a land, inheriting a land, and the nations being blessed. And this is part of a picture of what that looks like, right? The father laying down his son. But the land of Moriah later becomes the Temple Mount, right? It, it's yeah. where the temple is built, the Mount Moriah, right, in Jerusalem, right? So it's at, it's that exact spot that the binding of Isaac would have happened. And then verse 4 says, On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw and saw the place from the distance. So they sojourned, they, they traveled there on the third day. So even th- day three. Yeah, that, that thing of three is already coming in. <laughs> yeah. And then Abraham said to, you know, stay here with the donkey and uh, donkey, <laughs> the picture of the, you know, the donkey. They, they travel to Jerusalem on a donkey. On a right? Donkey. Wow. <laughs> wow. And then I and the and one, thing, one thing I had never noticed before. Just to add this is when I was reading it today, I, I noticed for the first time that it says, so Abraham placed 
the wood for burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And uh, I was like, wow. I've never seen that where the wood that Isaac is going to get. Wow. Well, that, he, that Isaac is going to get sacrificed on before God provides the ram gets placed on Isaac's shoulders as they're walk as they're going there. Yeah. And I was like, like you said, with the donkey, it's just all these, yeah. all these foreshadowings. Uh, and, uh, and the Abraham and Isaac considered this act, an act of worship. This is we will worship yes. and return to you. Yeah. Mm. And then verse seven, Isaac, Isaac was saying, father, he said, here I am. My son, he says, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So two of them walked together. But what ended up happening was that God provided, what God provided was a ram, not a lamb. Right. The lamb, it's because the lamb is still to come. And the ram simply points to that lamb. Wow. Wow. Right? That's good. Amen. And then the angel of the Lord, again, the second person of the Godhead said, said, called from the heaven, say, yeah, don't do that. And um, Yeah. Yeah. And say, here's a ram. So it's mm. it's the son, the greater Isaac. It's the second person of the Godhead. It's God himself in the flesh saying, sacrifice this ram, right? Revealing yes. the ram and instead of your son, right? And then uh, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord. Well, in my translation, it says the Lord will provide, but it's, I be- it's actually a wrong translation. It says, Adonai Yireh, the Lord has appeared. The Lord revealed himself. Wow. Yeah. So so Abraham saw God. Yeah. And that's it, interesting that, that it's in the specific context that he says like the Lord has appeared through the provision of this of this ram and like the significance of this moment of, of testing. And it's like, wow, on Moriah, all of a sudden, like Abraham's declaring the Lord has appeared. Yeah. So Abraham passed the test and then the Lord repeated his promise again. I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Mm. So it's that element of obedience that's part of walking in faith. And then they return to Beersheba. They lived in Beersheba, right? Right. Yeah. Which so, is a beautiful place to live. <laughs> it's where the, yeah. it's, I didn't realize until now, but like this is where Beersheba is where the whole story began, really. The whole Israelite story, Abraham's family story began. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's cool even just to see like how much time they spent here. Like you said, it was their, their mm-hmm. home base. One thing I think is also really interesting about this as kind of a just like insight for how like how we worship the Lord too is like when they're going up and you mentioned it that they're going up to worship right they're going to Moriah to worship and and then you see at the end that like through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me and there's even this this sense of like what what made his faith like a faith of worship and what makes mm. this whole this whole passage worship wasn't it's not that it's not about the sacrifice but there's already that element of like i desire obedience more than sacrifice that it's like 
Abraham's yeah. purity of faith to obey what God tells him and to go and being willing to surrender Isaac and then to sacrifice the ram instead of his own son. I just think that I think it's really cool just to see that the element of God's heart where he he really wants our trust and our worship and praise God that Abraham is a man of faith. Yeah. I think this is a really good note to end on. Any any last thoughts before we sign off? Just it just reminds me so much of how faithful the Lord is. And faithfulness. So yeah, <laughs> just grateful for his faithfulness. Grateful to get to chat about it and just read his word. And- yeah. Well, that's faithfulness. That's a great note to end on. Well, thank you, Matt, for coming on the show this week. Thanks, Frank. Well, if you guys enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major platforms. Visit our website, ministry website, tillzionsings.com, and join us on Instagram and YouTube at tillzionsings. And be sure to also subscribe to our mailing list so that you can be informed for our weekly Torah discussion group on Zoom. Have a great weekend, everyone, and Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. For more information on Till Zion Sings Ministries and our mission, visit our website, www.tillzionsings.com. For daily content, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Till Zion Sings. And lastly, for exclusive bonus content, become a supporting member of the show at patreon.com slash till zion sings